Have you ever noticed that podcasts are a little like sharks? When they stop swimming, they die, and they can both smell blood from a mile away. So in the spirit of keeping swimming, I'd like to introduce you to TOS Plus. Putting my business pants on for a second, TOS Plus is our new premium membership thingamajig. It's the all-access pass to a growing library of exclusive horror, sci-fi, and WTF audio fiction, along with access to the regular TOS weekly stories in higher quality, a week early, and ad-free. Once again, that's exclusive episodes, ad-free, a week early, and higher quality audio. You'll also get access to the brand new TOS Plus Vault, where you can grab our ebooks, comics, and desktop wallpapers and all sorts of stuff. All of this is available today via our Patreon campaign, which includes juicy extras like Discord access, audiobooks, and merch. And if you're an Apple user, you can subscribe directly via the Apple Podcasts app. We're now in our eighth year of the podcast, and we've got so many cool projects on the boil none of which would be possible without the ongoing support of our listeners, specifically our premium subscribers, our super-powered patrons, and the many multi-dimensional voodoo priests air-guitaring to the TOS intro jingle. For more, head over to theotherstories.net forward slash plus. Once again, that's theotherstories.net forward slash plus. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, my name is Alex Markley, and I'm inviting you to check out my new podcast. It's a surreal sci-fi comedy series called The Unlikely Adventures of an Improbable Family. It's about a forlorn shell of a man, his egotistical laptop, a cartoon alien fuzzball, and a mysterious woman with telepathic abilities. You can find The Unlikely Adventures on the web at unlikely.show or wherever you find your podcasts. Give it a listen and let me know what you think. And thanks. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> Today's episode of The Other Stories is Of Water, written by Di Booth and narrated by Georgia Cook. dead people down there, Nain. Elaine looks down at him, Leo grinning mischief back, his little hand hot in hers. The sun beats down across the lake, casting a mirage shimmer on the copper-green turrets of the straining tower, turning it all fairy tale above water level. Now, why ever would you ask that? Because it's a body of water. She chuckles, more at how pleased with himself he is than at the joke. Very clever, young man. Too clever by half. Too right, too. Harry pipes up beside her. Elaine rolls her eyes. Don't you start. But knows as she says it that he's already started. Do you know what this lake is called, Leo? Harry crouches down to look Leo in the eye. Elaine hears the creak of his knees. Lynn Morwen, Leo says. 
He shades his eyes with one hand to squint up into Harry's face. Aye, that's its official name. But do you know its other name? Leo shakes his head. Elaine says, You're as bad as one another. Looking between them, it's hard to see sixty years separating them. So similar are their bright expressions of almost vindictive curiosity. Do you know there's a village down there? Under the lake. Leo nods. Oh, he knows. All the children love that tale. The one that starts out with Queen Victoria's authorities flooding a Welsh valley to make a reservoir to service the English, with little regard of the community they relocated to do it. It becomes, in the retelling, an eerie little Atlantis. That was the original Pontyforwen, before they built the new Pontyforwen where your name lives. Maiden's Bridge, that means, and they named the lake after it. Maiden's Lake. But what we call the lake round here is Lynn Isprin. Know what that means, lad? Nope. Elaine looks out, across the calm expanse of water. It reflects the clouds so clearly that if she blurs her eyes behind her spectacles, it's easy to forget which way is up and which way is down. The trees that crawl the slope of every bank are golden green. On the horizon, the hills are hazy blue as the sky. Ghost Lake, Harry announces, drama-laden. Leo's face draws a smile of sheer delight. It's haunted. Did the people drown? Nobody drowned, Elaine says. They moved all the families out into the new houses they built for them long before they flooded the valley. But Harry says there's bodies. How on earth did you get so morbid? His little face is so eager. Well, when they had everybody move house, they didn't move the graveyard. So all of the bodies stayed down there when it was all flooded. The people from the village weren't happy about it. Leo frowns. He looks puzzled, as if he can't understand why anyone would be upset about such things. Elaine sighs. So, I suppose the lake might be haunted then. The frown smooths at that like rippled water calming. Cool! Elaine pats his close-cropped curls, her smile coming in spite of herself. And did your name ever tell you, sometimes in the summer, when the water gets really low, you can still see the church steeple sticking out of the water, and when it's a really dark night, you can hear the church bell tolling. Ding, 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 still calling the people to prayer through the deep. Don't say that, Harry. You'll scare the boy. Leo grins. I'm not scared. No, thinks Elaine. No, you're not. That night, the church bells stir her in her dreams, sounding a longing bidding. But when she wakes fully, the night is silent, except for the wind and the creaks and the ever-present drip of the house. When she goes to look out across the moonlit expanse of water, silver and flat as the mirror by the window, it's there again. She saw it first by the straining tower, distant across the silent depths. At first she thought it was some strangeness of the process, the tower backwashing water out, and then, perhaps, some trick of the moonlight. Nobody has ever lived in that tower. It was built, in all of its gothic splendour, 
to filter the contents of the reservoir before it went on its way via aqueduct to supply Coverdale with tap water. But it was never manned. Still, Elaine dreams often that she lives there, that her place is switched with it, and the world she sees from the window replaces her own, mirrored. That whatever she sees, night after night, drawing closer across the shimmering lake, is beneath her window, lapping at the stones, seeking entry. Nain, why don't we dissolve in water? Because we're people, not aspirin. The sun still glares, turning the landscape to glass and powder, but the shadows are longer now. Elaine adjusts the brim of her hat as Leo skips ahead, along the wide dam bridge with its scalloped balustrades. But if we're made of 70% water, why doesn't it leak out? Because it's not just sitting there in our bellies. It's inside our cells and our flesh and blood. Blood's liquid. But it doesn't just leak out of us willy-nilly, does it? As soon as she says it, Elaine feels a little strange and wishes she hadn't. But Leo just laughs and says, No. And the anticipated gory speculation doesn't come. Then, Sometimes we leak, though. Tears. Yes, I suppose so. Sometimes. She watches him run ahead, spreading his arms wide, his shadow leaping about his feet. When she leans against the balustrade of the dam, the stone is warm, rough beneath her elbows. She bends her head. The water beckons. Down there, in the serene darkness, soft weeds blanket a sleeping village, populated now only by darting trout. This time, when she sees it, she's almost expecting it. It's closer now, groping at the water's edge, where the weeds fringe the soaked earth. Lapping water, greenish clear as old glass, agitated as if churned up by the boat's oars, coalescing into something more. It looks like a pair of arms, butterfly stroke flapping up into the shore from the shadows, like a beached fish, smashing itself back to droplets on the mud and running back into the water before starting again. Elaine watches, feeling the push of the sun against her back. She should feel something, some dread as it reaches out to her, as it illuminates a long locked hollow inside her heart. Nain? Leo's voice tugs her from her thoughts, a jerked mooring rope. She blinks as she turns to him. Yes, love. Is the lady of the lake in there? Glancing back at the shore below, Elaine expects to see the water calmed, whatever trick of the currents it was be over. But it's still there, a stray mermaid striving for the land. She might be, Elaine says. Autumn trails the rain along. It stays. Maiden's Lake loses its summer sparkle and turns slate grey and pensive. The house shivers. There's a chronic problem with damp, rivulets of water invading through every crack. The window panes ripple with it. The paint curls. Elaine keeps the heat turned up on constant, else the carpets and cushions get so chilled they feel clammy. In these days of misty rain, when the hills hide themselves in cloaks of fog and the banks of the lake turn treacherous with a slick of orange leaves rotting to black, Leo plays indoors, 
his visits have a different texture. Biscuits and hot chocolate replace ice cream and pop, and Harry drops by with films on DVD that he borrows from his niece. Something noisy is happening on screen, but it seems far away to Elaine. She's sitting by the window with her embroidery, making the most of the failing daylight. Across the lake, the verdigris turrets of the straining tower become a place where princesses are imprisoned by jealous law. The long pulley chain sways ominously against the pale curve of stonework. Elaine is trapped, gazing out through the condensation to the grey rain. Plummeting droplets smash on the path slabs. It's heavy fall. Already the little lawn is waterlogged, pools pocketing the trodden grass. The curtain of rain is so thick, almost a solid thing, that Elaine imagines she can see shapes forming from it. It's almost as if she expects to see it, wants to see it. The Lady of the Lake. Leaning closer, her breath adds opacity to the condensed window glass. One shape, shivering and indistinct, coalescing from the drops, reaching through the spaces in between. Elaine wipes the fogged pane briskly with the corner of her sleeve. It's gone, it's... She squints. Closer, and yet more indistinct. The water has collected in the dip before the front doorstep. It pushes up from the puddle, groping for shape, raising up a shuddering head and shoulder before collapsing back under its own weight like a burst water balloon. As she watches, Elaine sees reaching fingers, breaking, tentative but determined, the surface of the pool. Nain! She doesn't look at him, can't pull her gaze away from the uninvited guest at her front door. Leo's voice grows impatient. You're not watching properly! Sorry, love. The room is warm with yellow light, the flash and clamour of superheroes on screen. Its cosy hold feels less real than the cold outside. With effort, she turns her attention towards the television. The now. Tell me again. Who's that there, then? She can hear Leo answering, explaining, excited, but she doesn't know what he's saying. The falling water is watching. Quickly, she draws the curtains. The weather persists into winter. Elaine buys a new lamp for the living room and angles the mirror more towards the window, hoping to reflect more light. But all it really reflects is the flicker of falling rain. It's all dark so early these days. She lets the curtain fall back into place, the words out before she realises what she's saying. I'm sick of shadows. You've got me here. I do, I do. When she closes her eyes, the water curls behind them, stirring with shadows like two colours of ink marbled together. Nain, are you going to marry Harry? In her mind's eye, the water swirls, takes on the shape of flowing robes, a woman twirling. She opens her eyes and smiles at Leo. Norlov. Harry's just Janine's friend. When the rain won't quit, Leo skips his next visit. Elaine watches the rising waters reflected in the mirror and does not have him there. Swirling water covers the front step and the damp runs down the walls like waterfalls. Everything feels cold to the touch. She drags sandbags to the door and goes upstairs to bed. 
and sleeps the dreamless sleep of the dead. At first light, she's shaken awake by a crash. The winter world is underwater blue, and when she goes downstairs, she's met at the foot by the flood. The world is leaking. She wades. Her dressing gown floats around her like robes of old. In the living room, familiar things turned foreign bob on the tide. The mirror by the window, dislodged by the wash and fallen, lies cracked side to side. Perhaps the dam cracked too, and the ghost lake is taking new Ponty and down to drown alongside the old. Or maybe the water just wanted to come in, inside. The lake has come inside. Elaine's stride swish. She searches for her. Come out. It's deep enough now. She stretches out a hand and the flood reaches out to take it. I knew you'd come for me. The lady is the lake. She stands from it, of it. A fountain in the form of a figure, limbs rippling with the pearl of water. Clear as glass is her streaming cloak. Her eyes are made of joyful tears, lit from within. She is glorious. And Elaine recognises now her face. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. Off Water was written by Di Booth, narrated by Georgia Cook, edited by James Barnett, a.k.a. Jimmy Horrors, with music by Velitai and Kai Engel and Tom Robson. The sound effects provided by freesound.org. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. A quick thanks to our community managers, Joshua Boucher and Jasmine Arch, and to Joshua Boucher and Carolyn O'Brien for helping with submission reading. And of course to Ben Errington, the social media dishwasher, rinsing away the boredom with his social media content suds. You can find more of Di Boob's work, including his cursed new novella, Cool S, at dieboob.wordpress.com. Georgia Cook is an illustrator and writer from London. She's a winner of the LISP 2020 Flash Fiction Prize and has been shortlisted for the Bridport Prize, Staunch Book Prize and Reflex Fiction Award, among others. She can be found on Twitter at, at Georgia Cooked and on our website, georgiacookwriter.com. TV Stories is a production of the Story Studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. So, until next time. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hello, my name is Alex Markley, and I'm inviting you to check out my new podcast. It's a surreal sci-fi comedy series called The Unlikely Adventures of an Improbable Family. It's about a forlorn shell of a man, his egotistical laptop, a cartoon alien fuzzball, and a mysterious woman with telepathic abilities. 
You can find The Unlikely Adventures on the web at unlikely.show or wherever you find your podcasts. Give it a listen and let me know what you think. And thanks 